You are listening to MSP 1337. I'm your host, Chris Johnson, and I'd like to thank you for joining us today. Uh, first and foremost, I'd like to thank our sponsor, MSP Ignite. MSP Ignite offers a peer group experience that is unique to managed service providers in the technology industry. If you are serious about implementing a model for success through sharing and collaboration of best practices, this is the best way to do it. Head on over to msp-ignite.com to get more information. All right, on to the show. Welcome everybody to this week of MSP 1337. We're continuing our conversation about getting started with cybersecurity as an MSP who's up until this point been kind of straddling the fence. With me today again is Charles Love of Showtech Solutions. Welcome, Charles. Hey, Chris. Thanks so much for being here. Hey, so yesterday I called you up and I said, hey, I've got a topic for this week's MSP 1337 episode. What three things should you have as part of your cybersecurity services offering? And you can only pick three. Yep. I've, you weren't very kind. You literally just threw it back at me, Chris, what are your three? And I couldn't answer you uh, off the cuff, um, but I, I've given this some thought and I know you've given this some thought as well. So while this is unrehearsed and uh, not planned, it is premeditated. Uh, Give me your number one, just right out of the gate. What's your number one? Like we're talking about, and to be clear, because this is kind of important, we're not saying as managed service providers, like, hey, uh, well, I got to have antivirus. It's like, no, this is not the stuff that you've always been doing, right? We're not talking about like, hey, I've, I've decided I need firewall management. <laughs> I'm pretty confident you've been doing firewall management of some kind prior to today. This is new frontier for you. We're looking at what are the three cybersecurity services uh, and let's start with, let's not put them in any particular order. We'll talk about the order after. Fine. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to take it a little bit different on you. Okay. Um, number one is going to be, uh, you know, I'm going to call it a policy officer. So internally who, or client? internally. Okay. So inside the MSP, who is in charge to, to say, this is how we do it. Well, I, I'm going to say that this raises two very important questions. As an MSP who hasn't talked about cybersecurity services yet, just throwing that out there, should that not also be already a role established before even considering the cybersecurity service offerings? Well, it, regardless of what it is, I don't, you know, in, in yeah. the MSP world, it changes hearts to director, it's the CIO, it's the right, whatever, know, yeah, whatever the position is. But somebody has to be the red light, green light for the offering to say, this is how we're going to do it, and this is how we're going to enforce it. Right, which kind of comes back to whatever these three product services that we're going to talk about are. Is there a requirement then that says, if a client says no, do we feel comfortable still having them as a client? And, and, and that is a very hard question for a lot of people to answer. So this is why I'm throwing out there that these are the three, I'm going to say must-haves, not the, uh, the, you know, sky's the limit. We're going to layer all the security services we can on every client we can. No, I'm saying these are the three that you start with that are the the foundation of your entire these are the the pillars 
of any cybersecurity program, right? Yep. And to your point, we shouldn't even be talking about the products or services until we have a clear identified, everybody in the organization recognizes that if we're going to put these product services out there, there's already been buy-in and sign-off. And we're not even saying this has to be like the person in charge of the company, the person that's in charge of, I mean, this could be anybody that you assign it to. It's that there's ownership and accountability before it ever goes beyond that. For sure. And my three things, I mean, two of the three definitely are not product yep. uh, heavy. They're more people process heavy. So I'm curious. So that that's that's my number one. And okay. again, not in an order. It's somebody who is the the controller, the CISO, whatever you want to call it, in the MSP. Like well, infosec yeah. director. Yeah. So who who is the one that sets the direction, charts the course, whatever it may be? Where does the buck stop? First, you need that. It's not. I have ten texts. These five like this tool. These five like this tool. No, no, no. Right. I need the direction. I'm going to say this is the tool we use, and this is how we use it, and why we use it. Because if uh, tech can't defend it when they're talking to the client, then suddenly you have a resistance friction happening, and now it's like they don't want us to put this in their environment. Correct. And, and it might and have been last, free. Yeah, and the last thing you want is is the conflict on the team. Right. Because from that point forward, anything that ever happens, let's say it's a web, you know, like a, an antivirus stack. Mm -hmm. If one person doesn't like it, anything that happens, well, you know, it's that that antivirus product. Right. Right. No, it's not. It's the lights are flickering. How does that have to do with anything? Oh, uh, the internet right? is probably out. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's the crutch. <laughs> right. We don't want the crutch. Yeah. So that's my one. What's, what's one of yours? Okay. So I was thinking about this and I was trying really hard. And so I'm going to go more in the, I don't want to say it's product services necessarily, but it's maybe a program. I think that security awareness training, and we don't have to get into the, the speeds and feeds of it per se, but there has to be some level, and I'm going to say really focused internally. This is like before I can actually position this, I've got a two-pronged approach to security awareness training. One is whatever the products and services are that we provide both to ourselves and to our clients, how are my employees trained on that, on the products and services? And then through the lens of a security awareness training model, what does that look like when I go beyond that? And I think about my employees as, as traditional end users using traditional products and services, like all of your employees probably use email and they use their cell phones and they use traditional tools to do their job, just like the clients that we're serving. Are we training them on that security posture? Because if I'm not enforcing, say a six digit pin on, on mobile devices, how dare I say that I'm gonna enforce six digit pin on a client that's asking me to do MDM management? Yep, for sure. So that, that, would, that would be my sort of one. So, uh, you know, what do they say? Great minds think alike. So uh, number two of mine was a platform. And whatever that platform is, is I call it a policy and awareness platform. So the, the what we do, right? The we will have these things in place and everybody signs it, right? Especially in the MSP. I don't care if the customers have a, a, an internet policy. I mean, I do. But internally, I need a way to communicate 
the policy to the employees in the, within the MSP and have acknowledgement. Right. And I think to some degree, when we think about client facing on that same thing, isn't that kind of in part like what an MSA looks like? And I don't want to get like all bent about like terms and conditions are we're limiting our life, like not that part, but like, hey, this is the escalation triage that we're providing. This is your account manager and point of contact, like some of those little things that seem to be almost glazed over or trivialized. And it's like, but, but the client isn't one person in most cases, right? Like we're not, I would say most MSPs are not looking for the, the, the single attorney that's going to pay them, you know, $175 a month to patch their laptop. Most cases you've got five or more employees with a client that you're managing. Do all five of them have an understanding of what the agreement looks like? Um, because while this is, I'm focused on, we're obviously focused on cybersecurity. If we have unrealistic expectations or uh, we're not all in alignment, a lot of things get broken, clients get lost, right? They're not happy with services, but on the cybersecurity front, what if they're calling the wrong person? Hey, they happen to have Charles's cell phone number and the lead tech that should be, or their account manager, he's the one that they're supposed to be calling in the escalation, or maybe it's a, it's a service, right? Like you didn't call the 800 number that says we have an emergency so that 15 people, you know, come to attention because you have a problem. No, you just texted me and I happen to be on a cruise that week. Correct. And it, it all goes back to what is expected of the team right? If I hire five new employees tomorrow, right? How in the world do they know that if they come across a system that doesn't have two-factor, I need to know about it? They have no way of knowing. Uh, Here at Showtech, we use a policy module and all these little things I actually have written and documented in the employee sign-off. There's literally a document that goes out to all team members that says, if you have a system that touches an administrative function that does not have two-factor, that is an immediate conversation. Right. Right. Just, just that simple. Because I don't want to have the, well, I didn't know I was supposed to tell you. Y- y- yes, you do. And, and I have paperwork that you signed. Right. So in this three things that we were talking about, I still kind of feel like all of that got lumped really, in my opinion, that's part of one. And the reason why I say that is the person who's charting the course, that's setting the framework for the policies and some of these things that we're talking about right now, that sets the stage for more or less anything else. And I think security awareness training or the policy awareness that that's still that part of that first function that we're talking about. So I'm going to say that you know, we've been talking about this now going on 10 minutes. We've really only said one. We, we okay. really are still at one. And I, and I, think, I think that we're at one because um, security awareness training and that account person, like that's, that's that foundational, that's the program that's both a thing and a person, right? Like yep. you, you can't have one without the other. The program can't just exist without a person accountability and, and vision. So I'll say that that's the one, which, which leads me to, uh, I'll, I'll let you have another one if it's not product and service. Otherwise, I want to say, okay, now let's step into how you can now have the three things. Yep. So, so the net, without mentioning products, the the next one on my list would be a uh, either we can call it a baseline assessment mm-hmm. tool or some type of system that does two things. One takes a look at what you have, like 
point in fact, you know, as of right now, today, this is how your system looks. And then some kind of ongoing um, monitoring, like, hey, somebody just became an admin, right? So that kind of information coming back to me. So let's let's talk product a little bit to help the listeners know more specifically what we're talking about. And, and obviously, we're not saying to go and use this any one product per se, but like I think about in the MSP space, very common for someone to talk about like network detective from rapid fire. Right. And, and the reason being is I run it on your AD environment. It gives me a lot of information that allows me to make decisions. Um, and what's kind of funny about it is this, this is kind of like a, a quick and dirty, I got an asset inventory, even if it's not fully comprehensive, right? Like I, yeah. I have an idea about the environment, good, bad, or otherwise. Another one would be like a cyber CNS or, I mean, there's a ton of them out there that will do at least like audit IT that will at least come in and, and find stuff, right? Um, then there's the other side of this, which gets into that monitoring. Rapid Fire has one. Um, CyberCNS is an ongoing monitoring. But but the bottom line is you can even some, to some degree, you could probably do some of this with, like with an RMM tool. It's knowing what is actually happening day to day to continue to tune the environment, right? Correct. And, and change, it's all about change. Right. Right. Um, so, so, Avic, I mean, correct. Uh, LionGuard is huge for that. Perfect. Right? So yep. I can go back six months and see that the AP firmware has been updated 17 times. Right. Um, you know, we, we can go back and look at it now, depending upon our type of customers, th there's going to be a combination of about two or three tools that we use. Right. You know, if they if they don't have a server environment, which most don't, well, there's certain tools I just simply can't use. Right. Like I, I can't use Avic. They don't have a network. They're all work from home. Right. So it's it's kind of situational. Right. Um, but across the board, whatever it is, I need to have that baseline. I need to know where we are so that I can help the customer with where they should be going. Right. And we're talking about this from the perspective of cybersecurity. So I think about products like Vectrix, which is like a cloud-based, you know, or like SaaS alerts, adaptive mm -hmm. shield products that um, are monitoring cloud applications, 365, those types of apps, right? Because maybe we're not caring as much about the end user's asset, which might be BYOD, it's the Xbox today, whatever it is. And they're more or less going into something that they need to work because they no longer have the on-prem, the active directory, the standalone server. They're not living in a container anymore that used to be called the office. We have to be, we're having, having to adapt even in the monitoring tools that we use to have actual real visibility. Correct. Okay, so we've got, we've identified assess and ongoing monitoring and we can probably argue today to keep it simple that that can be one in the same product. There's enough products out there that do both of those things. Yep. Whether they do them well or not, we, we wanna basically give somebody like, hey, I got these three things. I feel confident that I can now start really having a, a maturity an improved maturity in cybersecurity and what I'm positioning and selling to my clients. Uh, so what's the next one? So I, I'm going to, this, I'll throw mine out. We use RMM tools for patch management, right? That's almost fundamentally the number one thing that we use it for that and asset inventory, right? So with that in mind, helping an MSP and their clients understand that that is not the same thing 
as threat detection and remediation? The lines are becoming more blurred. Sure. Right, as, as RMM vendors uh, like mine uh, actually has now built in that type of protection. Sure. Uh, so, and that, that was actually going to be my, my number three was uh, that security suite so that if, if some shenanigans is happening on a machine, it could actually lock it. Mm -hmm. Like it, it can isolate it from the network until a human can actually do a thing. And, and for us, when that thing happens, and I've learned that from this podcast, we actually have a response plan. Here's how, here's all the check boxes, because once the machine is isolated, it doesn't just magically come back online. What? There's a process. Yeah, there's a process to do to uh, unlock that device. I mean, isn't that the greatest of great questions? Like, so um, you guys isolated my machine. Uh, any idea when you're going to bring it back online? Yes. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah after we figure out why we had to take it yeah. offline yeah once once we when, once we review the logs and go through our procedure we're more than happy to turn you back online and that may take a day it right. may take a day so the, this is so I, I i might have said this wrong i said you know patch management is not threat detection and remediation what i meant to say is it's not vulnerability management right? Patch Correct. management is not vulnerability management. So that's where I was actually going with it. So you, so I actually sort of skipped ahead. Uh, antivirus is not threat detection and remediation, right? So one of the things that comes up a lot is like, well, if we're going to do EDR, XDR, next gen AV, I don't need my old AV anymore. I'm not going to try and split hairs over whether or not that is entirely true, but I will tell you this, those products are pretty good at detecting things that are living in an encyclopedia or a database that have existed Correct. for years and they're known signatures. And funny enough, they still get used to exploit people who don't have traditional AV installed on their machine. The beauty of it today is you can probably get away with, in many cases, using Windows Defender that's already loaded. We don't have to go out of our way to buy a AV. But then you're also having the conversation with a client where, you know, five years ago, you're like, what? We're not just going to have Windows Defender on here. Um, it evolves, right? Things change. So, so I want to clarify. So you talked about the RMM, which we used to traditionally say was more of like patch management, but the reality is the RMM is now becoming more of a vulnerability management tool as well. I don't Correct. think it's coming, the, it's not, not saying they can't ever, but it's not really evolving into that XDR endpoint detection response tool, but it is evolving into a vulnerability management tool where it tells you things like, this is not meeting a minimum secure baseline for a Windows 2012 server or a Windows 2016 server, you're missing the following group policies or enforcements. We're on the same page, I think. For sure. So let me give you a funny story. Okay. Um, actually, this week, I think it's Tuesday, uh, we got a uh, ransomware detection alert on one of our servers. So, of course, you know, game time, right? Um, the device is isolated, we follow our procedure, we start going through all the stuff. I spend the next two hours reviewing the box in an isolated environment, and I've confirmed there is no shenanigans on this box. Uh, it, it actually is looking to be a false positive. So we start looking at it, start looking at it. And then, so as a part of the, as a part of the uh, our response plan, 
I actually have to present to the team what I found and all that stuff. And as I'm collecting data, it's kind of funny. I realize that this server has something called uh, a product I can't think of, but I'll come to it. Basically, it's a SQL injector, but for for real, like like it's doing um, what it's supposed to. Yes. So what as it a does, good thing. Yeah. So what it does, uh, yard, Yardy, I think is what it's called. It it goes over here and it pulls stuff off of SQL table, writes a bunch of files and sends it on over. Yep. Pulls data, writes a bunch of files, sends it on over. So what's happening is it's encrypting, right? The the behavior, you know, thousands of files <laughs> being changed in, in seconds. Right. And, and then we find, you know, so as part of the pro procedure, we also look at what has changed. So I head on over to LionGuard. Turns out the, the, the customer upgraded Yardy to the latest version two hours prior, right? So so it's updating what, itself, really. Yeah, no, the, the customer actually did a thing and then yeah. they upgraded it. But the signatures were new. And the RMM tool, not a, not a security tool, not, a, not an antivirus tool, the RMM tool is what locked the machine and said, hey, I'm noticing way too many changes, way too fast. That is completely a behavior of ransomware. Right. And technically it is. But in this one scenario, it was not. But that's a good, that's a good way to, to show how, how the RMM tools are evolving. Right. Three years ago, two years ago, the RMM would have just said, hey, that server went down. Right, because the agent right. uh, corrupted, like you would have no idea. And now these tools, they're, they're just becoming so much better and they're responding to what's happening out there where we can now do a thing. And then the, the happy report on that one is after about eh, four hours, uh, I was able to run a component to unlock that device. And it has, it has ne'er popped. But now we know if it does again, I don't, I'm not going to assume you know what? I bet it's the Yardy thing again. No, it's going to kick into gear. We're going to do the exact same thing next time. And here's the here's the thing. And so before we get to the third tool, um, I actually have a similar one that was not even a false positive. Um, those listening that maybe have customers with the new MacBook Pros or the new MacBook, yeah, the new MacBook Pros or even Airs with the new M1 chipset in them uh, are dealing with memory leak issues. And so I have a client right now that reached out to me, he's freaking out and he goes, Hey, can you, can you look at, I'm running a scan right now. Can you look at, they happen to use PCmatic. Can you look and see if it's, it's throwing any red flags? He sends me a screenshot of his activity monitor and he's got two specific services running. I don't, I don't remember what they were off the top of my head, but one of them is like uh, windows server. It's not windows in the traditional sense, but it's like windows server and it's going to town. Like it's tearing through uh, memory. And he's like, this doesn't make any sense. I'm like, when was the last time you rebooted your computer? He's like, yesterday. I go, how many tabs do you have open in Chrome? He's like 25, 20, 25. Funny enough, I went online and it is actually a known problem with Google Chrome and the M1 and Zoom. And Zoom literally this morning released an update. So this addresses some issues we've noticed with memory. That's the funny. new M1. Yeah. I'm like, wow, okay. Um, so, you know, end users are also part of that, which goes back to when we we're talking about security awareness training, like because he emailed and reached out, we investigated something that wasn't being detected by any software, by any tool. It was just a weird behavior. How many times do clients or end users not report weird behavior because they're either embarrassed because they have 
25 tabs open in their browser, or they're running an app that they don't really need for work that might be causing problems. Uh, and so they don't do anything or they don't say anything. They reboot their computer. And then you have no way of even looking at the problem. Um, yeah. Hey, when was the last time you cleared the cache in your browser? Never. Um, do you know that after about 30 days, the cache in your browser, if it's not cleaning up on its own, can actually get corrupted and literally just kill your processing power? And so anyways, um, I, I just thought I'd throw that out there because I think that goes back to end users are one of the tools that we can't sell, but we need their buy-in. Correct. And, and you know, the, the, the training platform or however you want to call it, that like we need to help the customers understand the evolving threats. Right. right. And you can't sell everything to everybody. So in, in some cases, you just have to have your baseline and be like, look, this is the, the absolute minimum for you to be a customer is, is, is this. Right. And you got to do, I, I don't care if it's the newsletter or something, you have to, there has to be a way to communicate things to people. So that brings us to, we need one more sort of core product. And I've been, as I, I thought I had three, I'm going to say, I'm not sure that the three is the same after having this conversation. So I'm going to throw out my third one. And, and it's tied more to in cybersecurity, we, we can all agree that people are the weakest link. So how do we, how do we reduce that threat as much as possible without creating a new threat, which is, I'm just going to go around you, right? And I'm going to now say that my third one is something in the vein of uh, email protection, because no matter how we spin it today, email is still probably the number one, if not number two, communication tool used both internally and with our clients uh, to communicate whether it's got links in it or not. Yep. And I don't care how good you are at avoiding bad emails. Uh, I actually just had this today. Someone forwarded me an email that's from Citibank. Like, hey, I'm getting this email. Like, what do I need to do? It doesn't make any sense. And so I asked, I'm like, do you use Citibank? And I got a response of no. I go, then why are, why are you even opening this email? Like, yeah. what, what, what could possibly provoke you enough to say, I better open this email and see what they want? Um, whether it's, you know, higher end stuff, that's like tech checking it at the server level. I don't want to get into products on this one. Cause I think there's so many that we could just make people's heads spin, but I don't know. What are your thoughts? I mean, we, we talk about anti-phishing campaigns. We talk about some of that and I'm not for one second saying that those aren't extremely important and valuable, but I feel like we need to do more before it comes to that because we should be able to reduce a lot of the noise so that it's easier to go, this doesn't seem right, as opposed to 80% of my emails don't seem right. So I'll tell you, the one thing that is, is always uh, hard to communicate is like everybody gets it. I have right. a server, I have files, I back them up, right? I've checked the box, I, I, I either, you know, put the tape on the server, you know, God, uh, however long ago, but I have some kind of backup. I use OneDrive. I use something like that, but nobody thinks about 365. Right. Right. I mean, we have a lot of customers. Or, or cloud apps in general. For sure. So G Suite, 365, whatever. How are you backing up mailboxes? How are you backing up teams that when Microsoft OneDrive, has a teams outage? Yeah. 
my phone lights up. Oh my God, Teams is down, right? But how are you backing that up? Because yeah. what if somebody malicious gets in? You know, there's the video, I think Dado put it out of uh, uh, the one guy uh, encrypting a 365 mailbox, right, right from a link. Um, you know, that, that's the one thing that a lot of people don't even register. Of all of our customers, a decent amount have three, you know, 365 or G Suite backup, but not everybody does. So sometimes it's it's the ability to just communicate with them. Hey, this is probably now more important than your desktop or your server. Well, or or even you, you can take it further than that if we think about it from let's just take backup off the table for a minute. We do this yep. a lot where okay, I have 365 or Google Workspace and I use that as my jumping point for credentialing to get into other apps. Yes. So let's just say you've done a really good job, two-factor authentication on 365, two-factor authentication on, which by the way, that would have been my third one in the top three in no particular order, but it would have been the first one, um, is, is what happens when those credentials are used to authenticate to something that doesn't require two-factor authentication, doesn't have good security practices in place, and you've logged in there with those credentials, it is not hard for a threat actor to figure out from there to get back to and get into your 365 environment. And now they're compromising your entire stack of users because they've figured out what you're using that doesn't require two-factor authentication that's connected to 365. Yep. So my, my last tool, and this is, it's basic. It's a scorecard, right? Wow. It's a, it's, and it could even be internal. It's a scorecard per customer. Right, I use it heavily, right. um, and and I'm always adjusting the scorecard. But Didn't we do an episode on scorecards? I believe we did. We did. I believe yes. we did. Yes. But uh, but the ability to show that customer maybe in a review, uh, you know, hey, here's here's where we feel you are. Right. Right. And everybody wants to see an A. Right. Right. But it's you know, and and my scorecard goes into all kinds of facets. Like your IT room doesn't have a lock, so you get a D immediately. Right. Um. But things like that, they want to work toward an A. All right, how do we how do we do that? Like, how do we fix that door? We put a lock on it. We put an AC in the room, you know. So, at the beginning of this conversation, I started talking about an assessment tool, right? The the process of knowing where we are, and then the it's kind of like school, the the scorecard or the report card is yeah. how you're doing, right? I did not see this conversation going in this direction where basically <laughs> we have three non-product products that are people and process sure. and a, a manual um, methodology for looking at cybersecurity and risk, which quite honestly, at the end of the day, our ability to help both ourselves and our clients understand the risks is really the only way we can ever do a good job of putting the right three or more products and services in place. Because if we're hung up on every client has to have minimum X, Y, Z without true understanding of the client environment, then we're willing to say that it's not about the security of the environment. It's about our sort of security that we have 
invested our money and uh, time into that may actually not be securing the client any more at all than what they had before they got our products and services. Where, we're, where we've created our own false sense of security. And I'm not advocating, this is not me saying uh, product A out because client's risk doesn't require it. But I would argue that if your mindset is these three things or these five things have to go into every client's environment, do they all go in the same way? Does it look the same for every snowflake? And when you go down that path, what makes sense to say you've been successful knowing that this isn't a destination, right? It's a journey and you're going to have pit stops and pauses and fork in the road or an avalanche or whatever that would change those products. And are we willing to recognize, hear the voice or the, the tingly hair on the back of our neck go up to say, product number three just changed. It's completely different than it was yesterday. And I actually now have in my say 30 clients, uh, only eight of them have the same three. Yep. That can happen, right? Because our job now isn't my three, it's the right three for the client I have to support. Correct. Yeah. Like our, our stack for the most part is the same across the board, but there, there are variations throughout. Right. Yeah. And, and again, I, I'm, again, I'm obviously we want to be as standardized as we possibly can. It makes it easier on everybody. But again, I want to make sure that I'm saying this. I think you are too, is that it's not the same for everyone. It's not the same for every client. And if we don't get out of our, out of our own way on making things cookie cutter, when you get into the security side of this, you're in trouble. Cybersecurity is not cookie cutter. Absolutely. Well, Charles, this has been another episode of MSP 1337. Thanks everybody. Have a great week.